Hi, welcome back to my podcast, Meditate with Samara. The intention of this podcast is to provide you with inspirations and insightful conversations and tips on how to improve your quality of life. And the topic today is super, super interesting, super insightful. And I'm so excited to have my first ever return guest in this podcast, which is so amazing. Uh, I'm going to welcome Sabine in a few while, but I will introduce Sabine first to you all. So we actually already did a conversation, episode 35, on take time out for yourself. And on this part, we're going to talk about how to prepare to become a mother through prenatal and postnatal point of view. And who is Sabine? So Sabine is a certified therapeutic yoga teacher with Yoga Alliance and a nutrition coach. Sabine focuses on kokoro, an alignment of mind, body, heart, and soul. She believes that each person has a unique roadmap to health and wellness, and she considers her role as a catalyst to guide them on this individual journey. She is passionate about cyclical wellness programs as no system is independent in our bodies. It is just as important to meditate to reach your goals as it is to move and nourish. So moments of pause and movement really go hand in hand. And finally, Sabine owns at Kokorology. I'll put the name of the Instagram on the description so you can easily click and check her out. And she also shares her knowledge and discoveries on her personal page too, at Life Deceps. I'll also put that on the description. So if you want to get more information about community yoga classes, check her out. So welcoming to this podcast. Hi, Sabine. Hi, hi. How are you? I am incredibly excited to talk to you. Wonderful introduction. (laughs) Thank you for being a wonderful person. Of course, I'm so happy to do that for the second time. I know. I'm actually quite excited to talk to you another time because it's such a pleasure just connecting with you every time. <laughs> that's that's really high uh, compliments. Thank you so much, Sabine. So today we're going to talk about preparing to become a mother. Can you give us a background why this is an important topic to talk about and why we're talking about it specifically here today from your point of view? So in my point of view, um, the reason why I feel like this is a major conversation is because every woman, whether they um, eventually become mothers or not, are um, all, uh, do have these thoughts of wanting to be healthy enough to have uh, babies. Now, that is a conversation that requires a lot of preparation and years of preparation, um, specifically because these days we are all surrounded by artificial food, by artificial lifestyles. Um, and so that preparation now becomes um, uh, a lifelong preparation rather than um, just, I'm ready to become a mother and let's do that. And for a lot of people, this point, and I'm not saying majority of the women, um, I'm saying for a lot of women, um, the the preparation to becoming mothers and the um, before they even get pregnant, it's a painful journey. So there's a lot of a lot of women that are suffering from PCOS, um, from infertility, and uh, th- there's a mental, there's an emotional, and then there's a physical level to it all, and which I think yoga addresses beautifully. And so I definitely consider prenatal as all women who have 
ever thought of wanting a child, even if they're 16 and thinking of family beforehand, because we women, we think since we were like born about having a family, um, to actually getting pregnant. That's all prenatal. And then there's postnatal, which is where there's a lot of mother shaming, where there's a lot of need to be a superwoman. And again, that causes a lot of mental stress, emotional stress. And um, then there's the breastfeeding stress. Not all women can. And so um, just modernizing these conversations a little bit is where I'm coming from. Thank you for the beautiful opportunity for me to understand more at my age and stage. So as a background, I'm 25. I have no family yet in terms of my own, with no baby yet, but I am so interested to get to know about the prenatal journey, especially because I do not know that we have to mentally prepare and do the physical preparation and the emotional preparation much beforehand. So I feel like I'm better equipped right now to be talking to you about this. And I did have like a few years ago, kind of like this diagnosis from a doctor to get PCOS. I've never really gotten it checked again. So I think it's a really, really great opportunity to understand more about how yoga can help, how wellness can help in that specific area. Yeah. So, um, and as a background, I'm 35 years old and I still don't have a baby and it's not for the lack of trying. It's not, it's not infertility, but it's for the lack of trying at all. <laughs> I.e. I'm single. Um, so, uh, the the reason why um, PCOS has become more and more prevalent, um, I wish I had brought my statistics with me, which I don't have on hand, but uh, a lot more women suffer from PCOS, which is the leading cause of infertility when it goes, and, and, and all your listeners can do this research very quickly, it's, it's such a common thing that you'll find those figures really fast, I and mean, I don't even need to um, uh, dwell on it too much. And that's because of our um, hormone levels not being regulated. And uh, so what happens um, in the PCOS and the reason why it causes infertility is because um, with the polycystic, it's now because your hormone levels were not regulated and now you've created those cysts, it's become doubly, it's, it's like a vicious cycle. So now again, your hormones are not regulated. And a lot of uh, gynecologists and stuff will give you this advice, lose weight. And that's it. Um, but that's not the only way to get rid of it. That's a very good advice, but it's not the only thing to maintain uh, that causes PCOS. What uh, causes PCOS is the stress that you put on your physical system. And that stress can come mentally and emotionally as well. So a lot of stressed out women will also have PCOS, even if they're ideal weight. Um, so I think with yoga, what happens is when you learn to breathe properly, when you learn to connect with yourself, you become so aware, and I think we spoke about this a few times, and I've heard your podcast talk about this too, that meditation makes you so aware of how to, uh, what you're feeling, and then you don't push yourself to the next level, causing physical stress. You know, so it's like the cyclical program that you need to be very, very aware of. And I find that the deeper my practice gets, the deeper anyone else's practice gets, one of the big things that people say is I've learned to breathe better and I've learned to understand that today I don't need to push myself. And that reduces stress considerably, right? Like and automatically you have cut down half the work that your body needs to do. You're not in this constant fight and flight. You, you have this uh, rest and restore as well. And that is what's uh, healing about yoga. 
and that is what uh, helps PCOS. And then you come to the fertility part of things. Um, I mean, and, and I said earlier that I'm single, that's why I'm not, uh, I'm not expecting. But I mean, there's nothing wrong with single mothers as well, right? I just wanted to give my own background. Um, but when you're ready to have a baby and when you are having a baby, um, that road to fertility and making sure that you are prepared, there is a lot of room for miscarriages. There's a lot of room for um, a lot of health issues that expecting mothers also face. And so I feel like that's another thing that's caused by stress. And that's another thing that yoga helps with. Then, I mean, of course, we'll move on to another uh, conversation. I think you have the questions prepared. But for young women and um, anyone who is of an age that can, they can get pregnant, which is 16 onwards, up to um, to 40s and stuff like that, this is where we need to be very careful about connecting uh, with our emotional self and making sure that our stress levels are lower. And then there's, of course, many other things that yoga helps with. But this is the main one of the biggest things that yoga helps with. Yeah, I love that you raise the awareness and conversation too that well it really comes from understanding ourself and our current state you know because sometimes at least from my experience when I push myself too hard it's because I didn't know what I needed and then I think first step is knowing what we need and then also giving like this compassionate feel that hey I think right now I need to rest and take care of my stress levels I also have like this rest and digest state and then that is um, one of the more holistic ways to living well yeah and uh, I mean there's literally your body does um, a lot of work for you it knows how to heal you it knows everything but you got to give it a chance if you're not mm. going to get into that rest and restore state you're just not giving yourself a chance to heal or to be or to be at an optimized level so mm -hmm. you know it's not just about um social standards it's about um, having efficiency in your entire system and you're not going to reach that efficiency and that optimized level unless your stress is gone unless you're in that restore uh, state of things your body yeah. knows how to restore you you just need to let it get to that state i love that reminder thank you sabine mm -hmm. And going now a bit more into our topic about prenatal, I'm wondering of what are the things that I should know or I should avoid if I am preparing to become a mother at one point when I'm ready? Yes. Um, so one of the biggest things that I think the yoga community does well, even though to some, uh, they take it to the next level and extreme, is eating the right stuff and making sure your diet is clean, making sure your environment is cleaner. When I say they take it to the extreme level, we all know what those are. <laughs> but uh, but we do that really well, the yoga community, the wellness community, I would say now, um, because that community has grown to include a lot more, is to avoid artificial environments, to avoid artificial food. Um, we all love our chips, we all love our sodas, and we all love our fast food, um, but to minimize it as much as possible, to prepare your body to have less inflammation so the less inflammation there is in your entire system um, from these external factors the more you are prepared to uh, have less fluctuation in your body which means that you're ready to accept something new right because um, giving birth or growing life inside you is going to be something new that's going to be inside you 
So in order for your system to be able to handle something new, you need to make sure that there is nothing else that's impeding in that, right? And so those are one of the things that I would say. Um, the other thing that I feel um, comes too late to me, so I get a lot of prenatal clients. So, but, but by the time I get them, um, a, a majority of them um, have not worked on their core strength before, right? Mm -hmm. And this, and once you are pregnant, working on your core strength is the one thing that most yoga teachers will avoid. Um, and uh, I mean, it's not impossible, but it's a, it gets really tricky, right? Um, so one of the things that I would say is always work on your core strength, especially if you're about to get pregnant, because it allows you to hold that baby in, you know, you're, when you're expanding, um, if your core strength is not there, you, you don't have that muscle layer, you are completely reliant on those tendons. And so those tendons then get stretched out. Um, and this is why it's very hard for us to lose that belly shape. Oh. afterwards because you've not you 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 don't have that muscle strength helping you as well so you overstretch that tendon so i would say having core strength on your uh, sides and front is so important also your core strength helps you with uh, avoiding back issues right mm. so yeah. if you're even in that mindset that even in a year or two years you want to get pregnant make sure that your core strength is the first absolute physical thing that you work on um, the second of course is um, and this is easy to work on even after you get pregnant and you're working with a prenatal yoga teacher is your hip flexibility um, but your strength your absolute strength from your thighs from your hips your back muscles your core muscles please 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 work on them before okay I am so surprised, but the explanation that you give makes so much sense because I do have um, a lot of my friends are now married and with kids. And I do hear like in conversations passing back and forth that there is problem with the 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 baby belly fat, if that's the, the right term to say it. I'm, I'm sorry if that's not the exact word, but there's also this... The similar world, yeah. Um, but there's also like this lack of compassion to themselves because they're very hard on on just what they're experiencing. But maybe we can discuss more of that in the postnatal. Um, yeah. Because I do hear like, oh, my body's not like what it was before. And like why there are Insta <laughs> yeah, Instagram fit moms who after like af after a while and they have abs again or their body's back. And I'm just like, I wish I can help you. So I think this episode would be great for me to send to my friends. So one of the things, the reason why you will see some uh, um, Instagram moms and uh, bless them because they, they allow us to set some goals for ourselves, right? Um, so the reason why they have six abs and they have a beautiful flat belly and stuff like that is because they've always worked on their core strength. And so if you have that core strength, again, like you're, there's less room for loose skin, there's less room for, you know, that baby belly. Um, again, there's exceptions to the rule, Samara. Like there is no way that all women will fall under the same umbrella. This, what we are talking about is giving them a better chance of having their ideal um, look and feel. Again, mm. but this, this doesn't mean that having the ideal look and feel is um, going to optimize their lives. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So you need to, you need to see. So some people have that goal, and then if that if you have that goal, make sure your preparation is 
thought through as well. So it's not just the nine months of pregnancy that you think through. You have to think through that beforehand as well, is what I would say. Mm. And when we're now moving more towards the uh, nine months that you are expecting, I know that people are doing uh, prenatal yoga, for example. You also mentioned that you have prenatal clients. Can you uh, briefly explain why it's important to have prenatal yoga and why is it good for expecting mothers? course and um, one of the things uh, the reason why I get a lot of prenatal clients the first thing I get is my doctor told me to um, find a yoga teacher um, my doctor told me to do something that is less stressful my doctor told me um, and the reason why doctors are also referring you to yoga is because it's one of those workouts that um, work on your entire anatomy they work on your emotional and stress and uh, they do it in a less physically stressful way right mm. so going to the gym adds stress to your body which is good because there's that's good stress to add to your body but yoga does the, some similar stuff without adding that stress to your body so because it's low impact and so uh, trying to keep that low impact exercise in your routine is very good also um what's normal in the first trimester is that you feel so run down you feel because you're either nauseated constantly or you are um i mean again there's something growing inside you that you're not used to especially for the first time mothers second time around you know what the gig is but not every pregnancy is the same even if the woman is the same right so um dealing with the nausea dealing with the stress of creating your body is now like in a jump start mode trying to prepare for the new life it takes all your resources and puts it towards the baby and that's what happens in the woman's body right um and the baby's environment is the fetus's environment is optimized compared to our environment like we are not optimized and so doing yoga allows you to really really connect back to why you're here and the fact that you're going to be a mom it's a realization one of the things that i do with all my clients is i let them spend some moments breathing and um talking to the baby talking to the fetus and i will always ask them i was like leave affirmations tell your fetus tell your baby that they're safe tell because i i say fetus because not all women uh, and mothers-to-be like to um, call their babies babies already because they feel like it's it's uh, like you're putting an evil eye on it. So, you know, like different cultures, different things. So some people like to just mention, call it like a growing baby or like a fetus and stuff like that just to, you know, ensure evil eye. Um, anyway, so the point is that in those cases, I always ask them to... Um, leave affirmations of security, leave affirmations for themselves. So when they come and they breathe with, uh, into their own chest, I always ask them to make sure that they uh, leave affirmations for themselves. Another thing physically that I love to do with prenatal clients is to increase their lung capacity. Now, that doesn't mean we will stretch their lungs out. Like, that's not, that's not what yoga does and that's not what breathing exercises do. Those are myths. Uh, what 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 I mean by uh, increasing your lung capacity is increasing and mobilizing your joints, your back joints, your shoulder joints, your rib cage. Uh, when you do those, when you mobilize those, and when you uh, when you allow some space for those joints to increase, you're allowing your lungs different spaces to go. Because remember, the baby is now compressing and coming up into your lungs. So imagine this is your lung, right? 
Mm. So the baby's uh, as it grows, it pushes under the on the diaphragm, and your lung capacity is starting to grow smaller. So where so where will you breathe? Where is the air coming from? This is why a lot of pregnant women feel shortness of breath. It's mm. because your lungs have nowhere else to go. So when I open the shoulders, when I open the chest, you are really allowing extra space that the mother can do. Now, also a lot of mothers, because your, I mean, your chest gets heavy as well. So then they slouch a little bit, right? Mm. And rightfully so, their bodies are not structurally uh, ready for this heaviness that comes in, right? Um, this is where preparation comes in. But if you just get pregnant on the fly, then all of these changes are so gradual, but so, you know, but it, it happens quickly as well. So another thing is to make sure that they learn to keep their spine strong, make sure their spine muscles are strong so that your chest can open. Your chest can open, it has more space to go. Your oxygen has more space to come in, right? Because the lung is purely based on how much it can expand. And so that's those are a few major structural things. Another, th wait, sorry, before I end this part, Another thing is um, pregnant women have a lot of relaxing in their body, which means that um, the, oh, I want to stretch and I want to increase my flexibility. It's the best time to get flexibility, but it is also the worst time to get flexibility because you're getting it based on relaxing and it may not be the right time um, to naturally increase your flexibility also you know what I mean like you will overflex you will overextend you will go get over flexible and which is always a bad thing as well which is one of the biggest fundamentals uh, that we get taught in the yoga community yeah. so to be very careful to draw that uh, balance between stretch and flexibility stretch good increasing flexibility leave that for postnatal not during not during prenatal hmm. Thank you for sharing all of this to the world. And I genuinely want to say, I think you're doing like a great favor for the mothers and the babies that are inside them as they grow. Because I have been really into reading more about chakra. And I think I also mentioned this to you before recording is that I learned that apparently our root chakra and our feelings of safety and security are created when we were still in the womb of our mothers. And that's so interesting. And that's why maybe you also mentioned that the affirmations is to tell them that they're safe, that they're secure, and in a very lovingly, motherly, soothing voice. Yeah. Wow. Is, is yeah, that correct? Because, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what? Uh, cause, and, and I'm not such a big uh, expert on chakras, but yeah, I do firmly believe what you're saying is the right thing as well. Um, I'm a big believer in chakras. I'm just not equipped with so much more information, but it makes complete sense. Like these are the dots that we can then connect, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it, it, is it a coincidence that um, that we give uh, that we give birth and we grow the baby in the around the root chakra and the sacral chakra? No. Oh. I don't okay. Um, everything in nature has a reason, right? Um, structurally, and or, or or is it a coincidence that that's where the root chakra resides? Because structurally, I can't find anywhere else we would be growing a baby. But <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. but maybe that's why the root and the sacral chakra is there, and that's what they stand for. That is that security and uh, and the grounding as well. So yeah, maybe it's a great conversation to have. <laughs> yeah. That's very insightful. That's that's a, a great coincidence that I would love to research more on that. Yeah. 
I would love to uh, also talk about the postnatal. So we've talked about when we are not expecting to expecting the nine month period, and then we have our baby. I wonder if the postnatal experience, um, beyond before even talking about the so maybe it's not called postnatal, but then the birthing experience itself doesn't matter when you're birthing in a C-section, whether it's normal and with the postnatal experience. You know, it's a very good question that you ask, um, because just like you, I have so many friends that have now been popping babies everywhere. Um, and uh, it's wonderful to, I actually ask the hard questions to them too, you know, because most people will be like, congratulations, and all of that. And I'll just be like, hey, how was your birthing experience? What did you do? You know, and not many people talk about these things. But I find that uh, through these conversations, we've grown closer as well with my friends. Um, and also it's a lot of, um, information that is unfortunately not handed down to us by our mothers and our aunts and stuff like that. And I don't know why that is, why we do not have such an open conversation about how hard th this situation usually is. Um, so whether it's a C-section, whether it's a natural birth, whether it's a water birth, whether it's in the hospital, whether it's at home, whether it's with a doula, whether it's with a doctor, one of the things that um, has it, one, one, of, one of the underlying things that my friends have all told me um, is that um, they feel unheard sometimes, you know? So not all of them um, felt like they were heard during their pregnancy, uh, during the delivery. Um, many, many of them said that they felt a little bit unheard by the doctors and the nurses and all of that. Um, and their partners or their families or whatever. Like there's so many cultural issues. There's so many other issues that come with it. But there was a very common uh, trend in these conversations was to feel unheard in their delivery. Um, and so I would uh, strongly urge everyone who is um, giving birth or about to give birth or finds out that they're pregnant to have a very sincere, strict conversation with everyone that's going to be around them during that birthing experience. Not just before while they're being taken care of and being pampered, but ex people who are going to be in that room during that uh, birthing experience, that you have a very frank conversation about what you feel, what you can do. Can you tolerate pain? If you cannot tolerate pain, going to a C-section is not, is not the end of the world. It's not, it's not the non-ideal option. Giving birth naturally is not the ideal option. Each woman's body is completely different. You know, so you need to have a very sincere conversation about what you want and what is good for you. And it's not wrong to have two or three opinions come your way. You know, have mm. a conversation, have a conversation with the doula, have a conversation with your doctor, have a conversation with the nurse, have a conversation with another gynecologist. It doesn't matter. Have The more conversations you have, the more informed you become, mm. become part of the support circle. Um, because one of the things you do not want, and my mom says this all the time, she's like, I regret taking an injection in my back around when, when uh, as a painkiller when we were giving birth to you. Because what I was not informed about, she says, is that it, uh, it's, a permanent, um, it's, it's a permanent pain that I'll have to tolerate in my lower spine. 
I was just like, did they not tell you before? They did not tell you the risks of it before? And they didn't. I mean, and also this is 35 years ago. But nowadays, you are entitled to all these this information. So find out. A painkiller during pregnancy, while it is safe, can also have side effects for life. So just please yeah. find out. Please do these research. And there's no right way. The only way is, do you feel safe and secure during your delivery? That's the right way. Thank you for sharing that message. I'm so sure that a lot of people need to hear this and also not only people who are expecting, but also the partners around them, the family members, because the conversation doesn't go through the one just experiencing. It yeah. also needs to be encouraged by the support like circle. I'll give you one other example is uh, one of my friends told me that uh, um, her pelvic floor is permanently damaged because they kept saying push, push, push when they shouldn't have, you know? Because they aimed for the natural birth thinking that, that you know, these are things based on average. Yeah. Mm. So, but an average means anything above 50% or that's majority. But an average means you're at the top of the bell curve. But what about yeah. the sides? What about the extremes? You know, not everyone is the same. Actually, a lot of people are not the same. You know, even if the majority yeah. are. So you need to be very careful um, about listening to the advice of one expert. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Gaining a lot of the information from conversation is super key. And when the mother has gone through delivery and then we are caring for the baby, what are important things that we need to be reminded of in terms of, for example, the emotional, the mental, the physical? Because I can imagine that it's a lot of stress of you know caring for the baby that has a different sleep cycle eating cycle and then you're also in a different cycle altogether like I, I can only imagine how that can create a lot of inflammation in our body and but it's so key and important to be there for the baby so how do we go on about that so one of one of the best things about biology and evolution is that you are um, designed to deal with it, right? Um, in different ways. Um, it's a hard process, but we have over time been designed to deal with the changes, right? Which is why we survive. But survival and being optimized is two different conversations, right? So what you're asking is about being optimized. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a very important conversation to have these days. And um, and one of the things that postnatal, I love to, let's start with what I love to do with as a yoga instructor. And then let's, and then we'll go into other things that um, you need to work on uh, as well. One of the things that I like to do as a yoga instructor is to start building that strength the mother has had um before and just to kind of get that physical strength and because now she needs to carry the baby in the arm so you need to make sure your shoulders are constantly relaxed as well as strengthened you you are constantly breastfeeding so constantly sitting like this so you need to constantly work on their uh, upper body strength and make sure that they're constantly um strong in that area because that's the only way they'll restore back they'll bounce back um the other thing is that's the area that needs relaxing as well um the other thing is you need to be very strong in your legs to continuously walk around do this do that your energy needs to be up you need to be um at a place where you can tolerate the stress not everyone is designed to tolerate stress ever 
right? Which is why we have mental health. Um, and so your best chance of not having mental health issues is to be prepared for it. So to be able to uh, tolerate the stress, one of the things you do is again, make sure you teach your mothers how to breathe. Um, that's the biggest, biggest, biggest lesson um, that uh, any yoga instructor can give you. Um, teach them how to take that meditation time out, even with all the noise and all that stress. Because meditation is a muscle, I feel, that needs to be developed over time. And you know this better than anybody else that would be listening here as well. Um, because it takes a long time to come to a point of calmness with meditation. Um, and that's because it's a muscle that needs to be built. So um, with all that noise around, imagine a mother gets five minutes of just her time. Like it's just, it's everything. You know, um, the other day I was sit, uh, I was teaching my uh, prenatal client. Um, she's in her 25th week now. And so she's at that midpoint-ish kind of mark. And um, I just said, I was like, um, I would love for you to start carving out your time from now. So it sets expectation that from now, this time to this time, husband, I'm unavailable. Child number one, I'm unavailable. Child number two, I will try and distance myself, you know, the one that's mm. on the way. And so she's like, oh my God, that's so difficult. It's so difficult to find me time. I said, I'm asking for five minutes out of 24 hours for mm. you, right? And so mentally preparing that you need to be able to give that to yourself and you can't give from an empty cup as cliche as that sounds, it is something that you need to prepare yourself for. So that's one of those are, those are a few physical things that I always work on. And of course the strength. Now you can start working on the mother's strength again to bounce back. Um, so that's one those are the few things that I work on. The other thing is emotionally and mentally, people will tell you so much conflicting information that uh, uh, breastfeeding means you're actually this came out yesterday in one of these articles. One of my friends posted it. Um, mm. From a very reputed news agency, I completely forgot the name. Um, but basically, they said that mothers who want to breastfeed naturally are also prone to be anti anti vaxxers. How come? Because they want to do everything naturally, so they'll want to fight COVID naturally too. No, mothers who want to breastfeed naturally are going through a process that's natural in their body. That doesn't mean that they'll be anti vaxxers. Like that's, mm. that's just such that's such stupid messaging to throw out there in the world, especially now when vaccinations are important. Yeah. Knowing that in the modern world, as soon as the baby is born, in the in the in the three months or six months it's born, you get so many vaccinations. How can you even say stupid things like this as a <laughs> reputed union? You know, media. Yeah. But there's so many stupid things that expect that expectant and mothers face. The other thing that mothers face is you have to, in three months, be back to work. Yeah, okay. But she can go back to work, but it will not be the same as before she was pregnant. Mm. That will take some time, you know? Um, and uh, so she can come to work. She can come to work for all of those hours. But you have to understand she has a new life in her brain right now to think about. So she is going to prioritize that over everything. You know, she needs to pump the milk. She needs to do this. And so you need the environment around you needs to be prepared very carefully as well. 
um, one of the other mothers uh, was telling me that, uh, you know, my foot size has increased. It's plausible, right? Mm. And uh, her own mom said, no, no, you're just saying silly things. So she had to go and show her the sizes of the shoes and say, it does not fit me. I need one size bigger shoes. Like you have to, like, you know, it's, it's, this, it's this thing of mothers being like, oh, you're too emotional or oh, you're this or oh, you're that right now. You calm down after for a year and then we'll talk. No, she is actually knows her shit. Yeah. <laughs> she knows what she's going through and she knows she has to take care of her child as well. So, you know, don't dismiss mothers. Don't dismiss an emotional plea because that emotional plea is coming from a place of weakness and strong women giving you emotional pleas doesn't mean the hormone levels are off the charts. Yes, that is one of the issues and that's not the reason why um, you should dismiss them. That is the reason why you should listen to them a lot more because they're more in touch with their bodies at this point in time. So it gets me extremely mad as you can see it with my face because I'm very expressive <laughs> when I see these things. And so as an expect, as a postnatal client, one of the things I will provide is a space for them to talk this out. Because especially when you want to talk as women, um, the, per the people in front always want to give you solutions. No, sometimes you just want to vent. Yeah. And so to be prepared that this is going to happen. So um, if you are in a position to find other mothers um, or mothers-to-be and you create a little community, it will be the best thing you will do for yourself or your emotional support. Mm, so, yeah. so a few, few things that I would say that um, even, we, uh, even the mothers themselves can do, um, but then also this is a note to everyone else as well. Stop it. Stop, stop telling a woman that they're just emotional because they have hormone imbalance. No, do not dismiss them. A hormone imbalance is the right thing, but it is not why you dismiss someone. I That's love that. I want to give like a huge clap if that is not awkward, but it's just, <laughs> I feel like everything, I, I'm listening so intensively as you are speaking and I really feel like there is so much punch that is so important to share out to the world like those bits and pieces you're just sharing so much wisdom and knowledge that a lot of people need to hear and I'm excited for people who are listening to text Sabine at their own time and look out her work and what she's doing because she really knows what she is offering to her clients like she's got the you know what Samara but this yeah. is coming from someone who's not pregnant at the moment or you yeah. know is not even close to it so imagine the mothers that have gone through this just imagine what you know like the kind of stuff that I'm 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 sharing observations but they go through these so just imagine what we as a society do to a mother who is bringing and growing this society for us you know and so we need to be very very mindful when mothers to be they're not just physically weak they're not just emotional they are actually so strong and they're dealing with new circumstances at the speed of light in nine months they deliver a baby you know that's they grow a new life in nine months mm. that's a lot that's very fast and then their life changes forever it's not like they become mothers for a while and then that's it. Their, their life has been permanently changed. And mm -hmm. if you speak to any mom, your mom, I speak to my mom, any new mom, 
even now, even after 35 years, my mom s- says this all the time. She's like, you will not understand how much I love you till you have your own child. It's because she's like, it's like another a piece of my heart beats outside of my heart. You know? And I'm so, going to kiss my mom after this. <laughs> um, yeah. And you know, it's, yeah. you just, you cannot understand that. So if something happens to us, even a little boo-boo, it's because, and the amount that they get upset is because for them, it's like it happened to them, mm. you know, and this is for life. It's not, it's not going back. It's irreversible, mm. you know? And so we need to be very, very kind to our mothers. Very, very, not just our mothers to be, not just mothers who are going to be, even after, like, it's so important. Like that's, so I consider prenatal to postnatal the entire life of a girl. You know, like there's no other, there's no other way to describe it. Yeah. Wow. I think that this conversation is going to, give me like a step back and trying to reevaluate that it's not all about me anymore. Like it's me preparing for another life at another time. It's me supporting my friends when they need to. It's me being more kind and compassionate and empathetic to my mom, which sometimes, you know, we can have like little arguments over nothing, but then, <laughs> but then um, above all that, it's always just love. So thank you for really giving the mindful insights and helping me understand more, helping the listeners understand more and be more kinder, compassionate to themselves or the people around them. It's amazing, Sabine. Thank you. Thank you. I'm just so grateful for you to allow me the space to talk. And uh, just thank you. You're welcome. Do you have any last words or where people can follow the work that you're doing now, the projects that are coming up? Please plug in everything that you want to because I would be very happy to get to you. That space. So, so Samara, I'm very, very bad at content creation on Instagram and on social media compared to you. I'm trying my level best to put out as much information as I can, but I am terrible at uh, all of this. It's a big learning curve for me. Um, I do know my stuff, though. So if anyone has any questions and they can't find it on my social media or wherever, um, please just always DM me. Like, there is... No two ways about it. I'll respond immediately. Um, and uh, I'm more than happy, even through Zoom. Um, in some cases, I can't do live um, unless you're in Dubai, <laughs> which is where I am. But through Zoom, even if it's not a yoga flow, just having a conversation like this sometimes helps you set a routine for yourself. More than happy to do that. I'm also very comfortable teaching on Zoom right now. Um, so one of these takeaways from COVID was to become comfortable outside my comfort zone. Um, so more than happy to help anyone, anywhere, anyhow. And please, Samara, if you get any questions, just let them pass them my way. More than happy. Definitely. Thank you so much, Sabine, for your time. I'm honestly so grateful to be having this conversation in preparation as because it is my whole life now. You have broadened my horizon of awareness and I'm incredibly, incredibly grateful. Thank you so much, Sabine. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to my conversation with the lovely Sabine based in Dubai, but you can contact her anytime on her contacts that will be in the podcast description if you want to have questions. And if you want to know more about probably what we are going to do in the future you can definitely suggest and then see 
our collaborations in the future that will be very, very exciting to announce. I hope that you have a great time and please take 10 seconds to share this with someone who you think will benefit from listening to it. Namaste.